Our gospel reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. You can find it at page 34 of the New Testament section of your Pew Bibles. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they'd seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. We celebrate the written word of Scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Everyone knows that safety on an airplane is important, but almost no one pays attention to the safety instructions. Now, whether it started with the flight attendants themselves or elsewhere, airlines have found a solution. Flight attendants inject humor into the routine safety speech. If you're sitting next to a small child or someone who is acting like a small child, please do us a favor and put your own mask on first. Please refrain from smoking until you reach a designated smoking area, which for California is Las Vegas. Your menu choices are chicken or pasta. If we're out of your choice by the time we get to you, don't worry, they all taste the same. We just found a wallet in the aisle. Now that we have your attention, here are some important safety announcements. Sometimes it takes something special to get people's attention. That's part of what's going on in today's passage in Mark. It's a story that we find in Matthew and Luke as well, a story we hear every year on Transfiguration Sunday. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain, and there Jesus is transfigured. His clothing becomes white with a brightness that's not of this earth. Two other figures appear, Moses, the lawgiver, and the prophet Elijah. Don't ask me how the disciples know who they are, they just know. Then God speaks, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Suddenly the disciples understand in a new and unforgettable way who Jesus is and what he's doing. The spectacle is supposed to grab the disciples' attention and ours. Mark uses the supernatural as a way of waking us to the deepest reality about Jesus. The story invites us to pay attention and to be open to the supernatural. But I don't mean magic here. I don't mean special effects. I mean a kind of openness to God a watching and a listening for God's actions and God's presence close to us, right here in our world, 
In our culture, we've come to equate supernatural with strange and miraculous and maybe unreal, with flashy events like the one that Mark describes. But just maybe something can be supernatural, that is, holy and of God, and yet commonplace, part of our ordinary lives. Barbara Brown Taylor writes, Human beings may separate things into as many piles as we wish, separating spirit from flesh, sacred from secular, church from world. But we should not be surprised when God does not recognize the distinctions we make between the two. Earth is so thick with divine possibility that it is a wonder we can walk anywhere without cracking our shins on altars. After all, many, if not most of us, maybe all of us, say we believe that God is everywhere. It's what we teach small children. It's fundamental to our faith, to most faiths for that matter. An old Christian teaching says, if you can't find God in this place, in this difficult situation, or this destroyed city, or here in the midst of violence and hate, you will not find God any place. God is everywhere, and there is no place God is not. Now, if we pause and really think about this, that God is everywhere, that has huge implications. For starters, it means, as Taylor writes, that people can learn as much about the ways of God from business deals gone bad or sparrows falling to the ground as they can from reciting the books of the Bible in order. They can learn as much from a love affair or a wildflower as they can from knowing the Ten Commandments by heart. She continues, I do not have to choose between the Sermon on the Mount and the magnolia trees. The house of God stretches from one corner of the universe to the other. Sea monsters and ostriches live in it, along with people who pray in languages I do not speak, whose names I will never know. This means God just might show up at work, at school, at the grocery store, at the gym, at an AA meeting, in a hospital room, in the nightly news, in our own struggles, in a movie or a song or a conversation. God might show up in Syria, in Puerto Rico, in North and South Korea, in Washington, D.C., and in San Anselmo. The question is, are we paying attention? Do we notice? And are we transformed? Sometimes we have no choice but to pay attention. The transfiguration Mark describes couldn't be ignored. Then again, could it? Could the disciples have dismissed it? the way Ebenezer Scrooge dismisses his ghostly visitors as indigestion in A Christmas Carol. In the story of Moses and the burning bush in Exodus, Moses sees the flames, but it's only after he turns aside that God speaks to him. Maybe the disciples turned aside 
Maybe they were open and ready to see. Might it be possible that all of us have ready and at hand places that shimmer with grace, alerting us to the possibility that God is at work doing something we could not have predicted? If only we turn aside. That God is ready to speak to us, and in particular, ready to transfigure and transform us and our world. Paying attention, turning aside, is a practice. It takes practice. There's a reason, perhaps, that Transfiguration Sunday is always the Sunday before Lent. In the early days of the church, Lent was the time when new converts prepared to be baptized on Easter Sunday. The more seasoned Christians also came to use Lent to reflect on whether they were living into their transfigured identity, whether they were becoming more and more the person God created them to be and more and more Christ-like. Lent has become a time to focus with new energy on the process of transfiguration that takes place over the lifetime of a person of faith. It is a time when people focus on their spiritual life. And when I say spiritual life, what I really mean is on our whole lives. As someone said, God is not interested in your spiritual life. God is just interested in your life. Our theme for Lent this year is Breathe on Me, Breath of God. We'll look at different practices each Sunday during Lent. And if you go to our website, you can sign up to have a different spiritual practice emailed to you every day. The hope is that in these turbulent times, we develop practices that sustain us and give us hope, that we can have some sense that God's Spirit is breathing on us and breathing through us. The practice of paying attention is foundational to all the other practices because it means noticing that God is present and at work in the world. It means listening for the God who said, listen to Jesus, and who continues to speak every single day. As Richard Rohr writes, God comes to us disguised as our life. God uses everything. All the other practices we'll explore start with paying attention to God in the world. How do we begin this practice? I'll offer just one starting place. There are certainly many more. How about making it a practice to remember that each person, each encounter, each conversation has an element of the sacred? Barbara Brown Taylor says it's so easy to see the people around us as obstacles, but the remedy is to pay attention to them, even when they are in the way. She writes, just for a moment, I look for a human being instead of an obstacle. That boy who is crushing my portabellas does not know the first thing about mushrooms. He's what, 16 years old? His fingernails are bitten to the quick. He is working so hard to impress the pretty young cashier that it's no wonder he doesn't see me. But I see him. And just for a moment, he is more than the bag boy. He's a kid with his own demons, his own budding lusts, 
I do not want too much information about any of this, but I can at least let him be more than a bit player in my drama. I pay attention to him, and the fist in my chest lets go. Taylor says to the boy, take it easy on the mushrooms, okay? He cocks his head and grins. These things are mushrooms? He says, hauling them out of the bottom of the bag. I wouldn't eat one of those on a bet. (laughs) A variation on this practice, she writes, is riding on the subway or bus or ferry and studying people from behind her sunglasses. The girl with the fussy baby, the guy with house paint all over his jeans, the couple holding hands. Every one of these people is dealing with something the same way I am. Sometimes, she says, I say the Lord's Prayer under my breath while I look from one to the next, but this is optional. Paying attention to them has already shifted my equilibrium. In other words, paying attention to them has already changed her, transformed her, transfigured her. Taylor warns that paying attention can be a pain. It is a lot easier to make chicken salad if you have never been stuck behind a chicken truck. It is easier to order a cashmere sweater if you do not know about Chinese goats. I read a compelling article this week about climate change. It was long. It was disturbing. Everyone needs to read it. I can summarize it in this one short sentence. No matter how well-informed you are, you are surely not alarmed enough. God doesn't speak to us only through the faces on the subway or falling stars or sparrows or flowers, but also through the things that are hard for us to see, hard for us to hear, things we would much rather ignore or even disbelieve. But Jesus reminds us by coming back down the mountain of something that Jewish philosopher Martin Buber wrote. Buber wrote, The encounter with God does not come to us in order that we may henceforth attend to God, but in order that we may prove its meaning in action in the world. All revelation is a calling and a mission. Peter wanted to stay on the mountain. He wanted to soak up the glory. Anybody would. But Jesus returned to the world, to his life and his ministry. And the first thing that he did was heal a boy. We pay attention in order to encounter God. We encounter God to be transformed. We are transformed in order to transform God's world. God's creation, and God's people with love. Truth be told, the practice of paying attention probably is harder than giving up chocolate or Diet Coke. But the end, my friends, is always Easter. The end is new life. May it be so for you and for me. Amen.